My friends, I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks, and welcome today to our online internet around the world church service. I'm so happy that you're here, and I believe today you will be blessed by the word of the Lord. Let's take our Bibles and go to the book of Zechariah, chapter 3. Perhaps it's been a little while since you were last in the book of Zechariah, but I believe today the Lord has something special for you. We're going to receive the holy tithes and offerings, and I want you to see a very special verse. Zechariah chapter 3, verse 6. Then the angel of the Lord admonished Joshua, saying. Now, what he is saying is to Joshua. And I want to speak this prophetically to you. Notice this. Then the angel of the Lord admonished Joshua, that would be the high priest, saying, If you will walk in my ways, and if you will keep my command, then you shall also judge my house, and likewise have charge of my courts. I will give you places to walk among those who stand here. Now, notice he said, if you will walk in my ways, if, that's conditional. Joshua, if you will walk in my ways, I'm going to do something for you. So, the Lord, he helps us to walk in obedience through motivation that is connected to rewards. And when you walk in obedience, there are rewards awaiting the other end of your obedience. Now, if you walk in disobedience to the Lord, then what will happen is that the special blessings that God wants to bring you into, those things will be out of reach because of disobedience. Now, if you will walk in my ways and if, another if, so we denote it here, two conditions. If you will walk in my ways, and if you will keep my command, then. In other words, he says, if you're obedient, these special rewards are attached. And my friends, I believe that as you honor the Lord with the tithe, which is holy, and it belongs to God. And when you sow special seed, when the Spirit of God moves on your heart, and you see a God-designated project that moves your heart, I believe that when you obey the Lord, and when you walk in His ways, then these special rewards and blessings will be released into your life. And here they are again. You shall judge my house. In other words, you have... You have a voice within the body of Christ. Oh, it doesn't mean that perhaps you're a global preacher. It doesn't mean that perhaps maybe you're even in the ministry. But you have wisdom that's needed in the hour, in the moment, when it's needed to be expressed within your circle of influence. And God will give you influence. You shall also judge my house. And likewise have charge of my court. I will give you places to walk among those who stand here. Now, here's the thing. You may see enviable positions that in your heart you would think, I'd like to be in that. I'd like to stand in that position. I'd like to walk in that blessing. I would like to experience that touch of prosperity. I would like to experience that degree of wisdom. I would like to tie into that anointing. See, it says, I will give you places to walk among these who stand here. Well, that could be within the heavenly court, visions and revelations and uh, supernatural encounters. And that can also mean in the high financial realms of glory. Praise God. And my friends, if you will walk in the ways of the Lord financially, and if you will keep his commandments and follow the commandments of God, 
according to what he laid out in his word, where you honor him with the tithe and you sow seed. I'm telling you that he will give you places to walk that not many stand in, that many would look and say, I'd like to stand there, but they don't know how to get there. Mm. God, through the unveiling of his holy scriptures by the anointing of the Holy Spirit, shows you how to come into those high places when you give the Lord the tithe, because the tithe belongs to him, and you sow seed when the Spirit of God highlights what you're supposed to be involved in, and you do your part, you do what the Holy Spirit would direct you to do. You know, I heard one of the most beautiful speeches just a few days ago by the president of Ghana. He and the French president had gotten together, and it was being televised, and it was being recorded, and I watched the recording of what the president of Ghana said, and I thought it was so absolutely beautiful because he has come to realize that you cannot beg your way out of poverty. And let me, let me say this. It is true that while you want to help the poor, that as long as the poor are kept in a beggarly place and they're content to stay there, they'll always stay poor. Look, I've seen people that are beggars in certain locations, and I've driven by years later, guess what? They're still there, and they're still begging. So it has to deal with a different type of mindset in order to bring poor people out of poverty. And let me tell you right now how you can bring a poor person out of a position of poverty or great lack. You have to get them giving. You have to get them into a mindset where they stop begging and always wanting to consume all the time and you have to help them to rise up into a place of dignity that's called what the giver Woo! praise the Lord and the president of Ghana with the president of France and all the wealth of France and the economic strength of France and they're tied to Ghana and the way they've poured into that nation for decades the president of Ghana said you know what we have been receiving help since the 1960s. And in the 1960s, we were an impoverished nation. But at that time in the world, there were other impoverished nations, such as South Korea, such as Singapore. And he begins to name the nations. But he said, yet today, these other nations, they have risen up. They themselves made a commitment that said, if nobody helps us, we will rise up. And thus Singapore has risen up. And Singapore, I mean, I, every time I, I think about Singapore, I'm just amazed at the value of their currency when they are such a small nation that their value of their currency is almost as strong as the dollar. It's incredible. It's incredible. Brilliant people and truly one of the most beautiful nations of, uh, of the world. Now, also, uh, South Korea which has risen up, and back in the 60s, hard poverty all throughout the country. But today, in Seoul, such beauty, such magnificent five-star hotels, and, you know, they're making the Hyundai and the Genesis product, and it's getting better and better and better. <laughs> I mean, when you're making a vehicle with a 10-year, 100,000-mile warranty, you're doing some good stuff because you know it's not going to fall apart. And so South Korea, with their, their technology, they're booming. But the president of Ghana lamented 
while they have risen up, these other nations, he said, we're still stuck in the same place. And he said, while we have a special relationship with France and we appreciate all the money that the French taxpayers have poured in through government acts of the, you know, the nation of France. He said, we, we really appreciate it. But he said, it's, it's, something still has to change because there's no prosperity here. And our young people are leaving our country and they're going to Europe. And they're doing crazy things to get there, getting on little rafts and risking their lives to get there. And many are dying in the process. Why? Because there's hopelessness within the nation. And he said, we have got to change this. We have one of the most fertile, uh, you know, resource-rich countries in the world. But yet we can't, we can't make it work. We don't, we're frustrated. And it was, it was such a powerful speech that the president of France he couldn't say anything for six or seven minutes. I thought it was one of the most beautiful speeches because he realized as long the president of Ghana realized as long as we keep begging, help us, help us, give us more money. It doesn't work like that. That will not bring you out of poverty. It breeds corruption. It breeds laziness. It breeds uh, this inability that keeps you from ever rising up and taking charge of your own life or taking charge of your own nation. Mm -mm. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. If you will walk in my ways, if you will keep my command, what does, what does the word of the Lord say to the leader of Israel at that time, the religious leader. Hey, if you follow the Lord and you follow his rules and regulations, you're going to the top. It will take you to the top as an individual, as a family, as a business, as a nation. It will take you to the top and you'll find, your you'll find yourself walking in places that are high up that others would long to get into. Mm, thank you, Lord Jesus. You can be an unbeliever running a business that has a product that, that uh, doesn't have anything to do with God or anything like that, but it's just a good product. And if you work biblical principles, they will work for you, whether you're an unbeliever or whether you're a spirit-filled believer who talks in tongues and goes to church every time the doors are open or watches my messages anytime they're released or whatever the situation is. See, principles work. Principles will get you up if you work those principles. Praise God. But as a child of God, having escaped by Christ's precious blood, the kingdom of darkness, and having been brought into the kingdom of light, you begin to understand there's a different way of operating for God's people because why? You're in a different kingdom now. Praise the Lord. It's a kingdom where you still apply the principles, but God is also endeavoring to teach you to trust Him by faith because God's principles, if you fully implement them to your life, they're bulletproof and they'll work regardless of what shakings are going on out there. Mm -mm. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. So you begin to give. You begin to tithe. You begin to work God's principles. And I believe that what was told Joshua can also be spoken to you. Where the Lord would say to you today, if you walk in my ways and if you keep my command. See, give the Lord the tithe. Okay. Establish a financial covenant with the Lord. And sow financial seed. Then you shall also judge my house. See, unbelievers can't do that. But you shall also judge my house and likewise have charge of my courts. 
I will give you places to walk among these who stand here. And that is the high echelons of blessing. God wants to take you there. And God is going to take you there because great shift is taking place within the world's systems right now. And wealth of unprecedented levels is going to move into the hands of God's people, the believers, so that we may fund the preaching of the gospel all over the world. And in order to do that, you are going to have to be a person that walks in the ways of the Lord and that you keep his commandments and that you are a keen, strict observer to give every tithe uh, the uh, the tithe on every increase that comes into your life and then when those special moments come the so seed that you say I will respond to the the project that God is unveiling I will respond to the spirit moving my heart to be a part of that count me in hallelujah and you you keep working that you keep working these principles and you're going straight to the top Woo! Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And it will work for Ghana. If Ghana begins to tie in, and, and, I, and I believe they will, the, the, the president, is, he has, he's a genius. He has a brilliant mind. I believe that country will begin to rise swiftly. And I actually believe in the last days, there will be nations within Africa that will rise so high that other countries will look at them and say, we're going to have to begin to implement what they're doing because their success is just off the charts. Woo, praise the Lord. Mm-mm. And it's the covenant power working behind the scenes in the lives of believers that is causing that lifting. Now, you need to be the kind of person that God pours such power and resources through that even the unbelievers would look at your, you and look at your life and, and try to like think, what are they doing? How are they, how are they just rising and rising? What, what's their formula? What is their recipe? Well, it's covenant principles. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And that's, that is your heritage. That is your destiny. So make, make sure. That you do your part. There are two ifs. If you will walk in my ways, if you will keep my command. That's your part. If you do your part, God will do his part. He will lift you to walk amongst those that are in rare positions of great blessing, of great wealth. That's where you're going. Praise the Lord. Now, as you honor the Lord with the tithe and you bring it into the storehouse, just say, Lord, give me a place to walk among those that are in the high places. Give me, a, let me just tell you, there's room for you at the top. Oh, no, Pastor Stephen, there's not. No, no, no. There is. There's room for you at the top. Hallelujah. God will make room for you. So just, just write on your check. If you're mailing it in or if you're going online, make a little notation in that box as you send it in. Just, just put room at the top. I'll know what you mean. Praise God. As our team sees it coming in, we'll pray over all of your giving. And we just know God's going to make room for you at the top. Hallelujah. Now, those of you that are going to mail in your tithes and offerings, please send them to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 717, Moravian Falls, North Carolina, 28654. If you want to bring your tithes and offerings in, Online, please go to the ministry website, stephenbrooks.org. There's a link on the homepage called Tides and Offerings, Sow and Reap, and you can go there anytime, day or night, and you can bring them in safe and secure online. 
Praise God. Now, let me encourage you to always stay faithful to the commandments of the Lord. Let me also remind you that May 31st is Pentecost Sunday. And either on that day or up until that point, we are believing the Lord to touch the hearts of his people. That would be you to sow a special seed so that we can move the television ministry forward through the acquisition of airtime. And so we want to take the pure gold half hour television program and move that forward so that it begins to reach a lot of people. Um, you can fish out of a lake. And it's fun. You might catch, you, you, you go to catch some fish. It's a lot bigger than a pond, okay? We're not, we're not in a pond. I'd say we're like in a lake, a big lake. But you know what? Let's go to the Pacific Ocean, and let's fish out there. And let's take that television program that we've created, these beautiful programs, and let's put them on nationwide television. Perhaps, perhaps by the grace of the Lord, we could reach further than that. But that would take your sacrificial gift. And so I bounce the ball into your court by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I would just ask, see what the Holy Spirit would impress upon your heart to do. Because every life that's touched, whether it's a believer that's encouraged and built up to move forward in God's plan for their life, or whether it's somebody who is saved through the preaching of the gospel, we share in that together. I can't, I can't do it without you. I can preach the messages but it's through online members and covenant partners. It's through your sacrificial giving that allows us to throw the nets. Let's just throw them real big. I believe we've got a big God. Hallelujah. And so all I would encourage you to do is just do whatever the Holy Spirit, that number, whatever that number that he would give you. And he's giving many of you that number right now. Whatever it is, obey the Lord. If you're able to send it in now. Please go ahead and do so. If you need a little more time, we've got a little more time before we get to May 31st. But I would like to see, I would like to see the special giving for this uh, be brought into the house of blessing on or by May 31st. And thank you for standing with me in this work as we move forward together, together. Praise God. You know, the anointing, it comes from the head down. Psalm 133 it talks about the oil poured upon the head of Aaron, but it came down over the head. Then it came down over the beard, came down over all the garments. So the blessing flows down. And as the ministry moves forward, God's moving you forward too in the plan that he has for your life as well. Thank you for your seed. We greatly appreciate it. And we will be praying over your seed. Praise God. Now let's take our Bibles today and go to First Timothy, First Timothy, you're going to be refreshed today. Get ready for a refreshing. You might be thinking, Pastor Stephen, I can use it. It's been a, it's been a tough week, and I, I need something good. All right, God's going to give you some refreshing today. Get ready. We're in First Timothy chapter two. First Timothy chapter two, and uh, let me just uh, backtrack just for a moment. Let me pray over your giving. Okay, I forgot to do that. Heavenly Father, everybody that's bringing in their tithes and offerings right now, Father God, bless them in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Father God, for giving them a place to stand amongst those who are in those high places. Woohoo! We give you praise. We give you praise. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father God, for increase related to your end time purpose. 
where the gospel will be preached to all the world, and then the end will come, and we are privileged to be a part of that. Father, bless your people with great, great, great increase in Jesus' name. We all agree and say amen. Praise the Lord. First Timothy chapter 2. Let's go to verse 1. Heavenly Father, we ask that as we jump into the message today, that your Holy Spirit would unveil the Scriptures so clear and easy for us to understand and apply to our lives. We thank you for this. Thank you, Father. Thank you for prophetic unction. Thank you for prophetic anointing and apostolic empowerment to go forward. In the name of Jesus, we agree today and shout, Amen. Praise the Lord. Verse 1. Therefore, I exert, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, I see all kinds of prayer, right? And giving of thanks be made for all men. Well, how many is that? Uh, that's a lot. Let's talk about some of the different categories. For kings, and uh, you know, in our, our nation, we don't have a king, we have a president. Kind of the same implication here. This, these are people that we're supposed to pray for. For kings and all who are in authority. Wow, that expanded the prayer bracket quite large, didn't it? That we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. Okay, we make that, that makes sense. We do, regardless of who's ruling, we want a nation that's stable. We don't want chaos and fighting in the streets and war and crime. And we don't, we don't want stuff like that. So we want, we want everything to be peaceful and quiet so that we can live the life God has called us to and be busy serving the Lord. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. Now, let's bump back up to verse 2. Pray, basically, prayers, supplications, intercessions for kings and all who are in authority. Well, you can start off praying for the, for the president, and then there's the vice president, and then on down the line it goes. But it says, for those who are in authority, well, then there's the governor. Well, you may think, well, I probably should pray for those, you know, locally and so forth. And then there's your mayor. But then you think, well, I probably should pray for the police, and, you know, that's good to do. And then, well, why not the military? You know, pray for the military and all the various branches of the armed forces. And it, on and on it goes. But it doesn't stop there because it actually says, for kings and all who are in authority, and right above that, we really are indicated that we should be uh, praying for all, for all. Well, that's a lot of people. Well, for myself, that would include online church members, ministry partners. And then, of course, there's your own family. You have that. And then you also would have special needs at all. And then, you know, just basically it says pray for all men. Well, whew, that's a lot. Uh, you know, let's pray for all the missionaries. And they're all over the world. So, you know, you pray for the missionaries. And pray for your neighbor. Uh, well, if I'm going to pray for my neighbor, let's pray for those that are far away too. Uh, let's pray for the Eskimos and let's pray for those down by the Amazon river and on and on it goes. And you're thinking, Pastor Stephen, how in the world 
Am I really actually supposed to do this? I mean, you read about it and you kind of sometimes you pray for the president and you pray for his cabinet and so forth and pray for wisdom and things like that. Pray for his wife and, you know, regardless of who's there, because really uh, in historical context, back in the New Testament, first century and so forth, you had Nero and all of these various Caesars and many of them heavily persecuted the church. So this is written in context, regardless of who the king is. You know, pray for him. That way the nation move along. Uh, and it just, it, it's better for the church when things are going good. Well, we're going to do just that. But the magnitude of this, really, you're kind of like, well, how am I supposed to really do all of this? And actually, am I supposed to do this every day? And how can I actually pray for so many people? And who am I supposed to put the focus on? Do I, do I pray for the governor or I pray for my mayor? I mean, everybody needs help. Who am I supposed to really put the focus on? And on and on it goes. And guess what? It really, if you look at it carefully, with other verses mixed in as well, it doesn't stop there either. Let's go further. How about this one? Psalm 122. Let's just stack it on thicker. Praise the Lord. Psalm 122, verse 6. Pray. See, I've got some more material for your prayer agenda. I'm going to stack your prayer agenda this high today. It's going to look like a seven-layered cake by the time we're done. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. Peace be within your walls. Prosperity within your palaces. Well, you keep on praying. Okay, now, Pastor Stephen, now you stack Jerusalem onto it. Well, while you're praying for Jerusalem, might as well pray for Israel. Yes, uh, God's chosen people. Yes, the Israelites, the Jews. Okay. Oh, well, might as well pray now for Prime Minister Netanyahu. You know, uh, the Prime Minister. Oh, yes, we'll pray for him too. And before you know it, you've got a seven-hour prayer list. And if the truth be told, it could actually take longer than that if we actually try to cover it all. Whoa, Pastor Stephen. How am I supposed to get all of this done? And I've got to go to work at 8 o'clock. How can I do it? Good question, isn't it? Praise the Lord. Well, Pastor Stephen, how do you do it? I'm so glad you asked. I do it in a way that I believe is wisdom that kind of begins to filter into your spirit after a while when you realize you do only have so much time. And there are certain limitations in the natural. So we have to not just try to do all of this from a mental, natural perspective, or we're just never going to cover it all. It's impossible. Now, 1 Thessalonians. Let's go over there. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Praise the Lord. And we want to go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Very short, but very powerful statement. Thank you, Lord Jesus. First Thessalonians 5, and we're going to drop down to verse 17. Pray without ceasing. Okay, Pastor Stephen, I can't handle it. That's just too much prayer. What am I supposed to do? I mean, now I'm being told to pray without ceasing. I've already got this laundry list a mile long of all these people I'm supposed to pray over. I don't know how I'm going to get that done. And then I'm supposed to pray for Jerusalem. And then I'm supposed to pray for Israel. And who knows what else? And then to top it all off, I'm supposed to pray without ceasing. Woo! Praise God. All right. Let's see if we can crunch this down 
into your time period of prayer, your devotional time. Maybe you have developed your prayer life where you are now at an hour where you can pray for an hour. That's really cool. And I would say if you're not, make that a goal. Make that a goal. When I have time to pray, I'll always go for an hour. If I have more, what I'll do is I'll pray for an hour. Then I'll take a little break, check emails, and make sure everything is okay. You know, uh, answer maybe real quickly any important things I've got to do. And then I'll go back. And I'll go another hour. I try to go by hour increments. And it just, it just helps you to have your own running track that you can stay on that you begin to feel comfortable with. I used to run track throughout high school and college. And, you know, you go around the track enough, you kind of realize, especially if you have to run it fast, you realize you run the first 100 meters pretty quick. Then you kind of like cruise the the next 100 meters to straight away. And then you kind of have to work the curve kind of hard, the top part, you know, the next 100 meters. But then the final straightaway, you know, you just get, you go all out, do the best you can because you're almost at the finish line. So that's the way it is in your prayer time. You kind of get comfortable with it. Find out your own cadence, your own pace, and your, you know, what works for you. But if you're not praying an hour, go for an hour. Because Jesus said, could you not tarry with me for one hour? Praise God. No legalism. No religious bondage. Just it's just a way of trying to say I want to get my spiritual mus muscles stronger, and so that gives you a goal. Okay, and that that's helpful to have a goal. And for some of you, you are developed to that point, and you can go longer. Some of you much longer. Some of you bless your hearts when you have the uh, the time freed up. You can you can pray all, all night, and that's that's really wonderful. Praise the Lord. Now, but still, with these instructions of who and what we're supposed to pray for, how in the world do we condense this down into, let's say, one hour, okay? Let's talk about that. Praise the Lord. Now, here's a good verse. Let's go to the book of Romans. Romans chapter 8, and let's drop down to verse 26, and you're going to get all of your praying on target in on time. You don't need all day. Verse 26, likewise, the spirit also helps in our weaknesses. What weaknesses? Physical weaknesses, because you need to sleep. So you can't be praying all the time, all the time, because your body needs sleep. And if you don't have it, you'll break down, get sick. And the sleep thing is very important. Scientists don't really understand why you don't, if you don't get enough sleep, you'll even eventually die. It's a very, very painful death, too, by the way. But we know that's a fact. And they're also having, uh, our space scientists are having still many challenges with our astronauts who do these simulations of going off for five months or six months, sometimes even longer. I think they had one that ran for a couple of years, like two or three years where they take potential astronauts and they just put them in isolation in these real small spaces and they block out all exterior light or make it like a outer space type, you know, you know, window that you're looking through. And the problem that they all run into everybody that's been subjected to these tests is that after a while, your sleep pattern is just gone and you're, you lose that, that rhythm. And what happens for many of them is they stay awake, not, not on purpose. They can't fall asleep. They stay awake for days and days and days. And then it just messes up 
you know, all kinds of things with their body. And then it makes it very difficult for your mind. And uh, so they're still trying to figure all of that out. But one thing is that we know is that you're going to have to have some sleep. That's between you and the Lord, however much you need. But my friends, we have various weaknesses. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. Yes, our spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So the Holy Spirit helps to overcome these weaknesses in our body. And there is a place, absolutely there is a place where sometimes you can really uh, I don't know if I would use the word cheat. I don't think that's the right word. But you can bend natural cycles of sleep, and you can just go by the grace of God real strong. You, you may think, well, I only had three hours of sleep. I should feel tired. But when God's in it, you can somehow get up. Maybe there's a move of God going on or, you know, like a revival, or you're just in a real strong personal walk with the Lord, and you just don't need as much sleep because you're, you're really devoting yourself to the Lord. There can be a place for that. So the Holy Spirit, he, he also helps in our weaknesses. I believe also one of the great limitations that we have as humans is our mind. We don't know. We're just like, well, what in the world am I supposed to pray for? Okay, I'll pray for the leaders. I'll start with the president. Try to cover that and pray for this and pray for that. But there's so much. Where do I target? What am I supposed to do? And I, I don't really believe in maybe like what I would call machine gun prayer, where you, it's like you got a machine gun and you just point it in all directions and pull the trigger and you just you spray everything, you know, hoping that you hit something. Uh, I don't think that's the best way to do it. I mean, maybe you might get lucky and actually hit a target. I don't think that's the best way to do it. I think it's more like a rifle. You know, you, you may not have a hundred shots, but you've just got one. But if that shot is inspired by the Holy Spirit, you'll hit your target and you'll be very, very effective. And so I believe you will find that while there is a place for praying in your native language, for me, it's English. After a while, you can only go so far with that. And that is really where the limitation lies in your understanding of who to pray for, what to pray for, how long to pray for this or that person. Or, you know, it, it, when you get over in the spirit, you are praying the perfect will of God. It is very, very important that you're able to do that. Or should you just kind of run out of steam? You can run out of steam physically and you can also run out of steam mentally because you, you just don't know what to do. Woo, praise God. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray. We do not know what, for, uh, know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And those are groanings that can be in your language, your native language, or could also be groanings in the Spirit where you're just kind of over in the Spirit and just really praying. You're really strong and there's a flow. There's a flow. Woo! Praise the Lord. Now, you can pray in the Spirit in your native tongue, whether it's English or French or whatever it might be, but you can also pray in the Spirit, which is praying in tongues. Woo! Praise God. And it's much easier to just get over in the tongues and go. And by the way, when you're praying in tongues, you're praying on target. Now, here in the ministry, we have a lot of online church members. We have a lot of ministry partners. 
We, had a, we have a lot of prayer requests that come in from all over the world. And if I were to sit down and tried to cover everything intellectually, if I were tried to put the hours in and, you know, physically also exert myself into that, I, I don't think I could ever go to sleep. I, with all the prayer requests and the things like that and, and, and the people and, and you know, the ministry is growing. I would never get any sleep. I would literally have to pray all the time. I wouldn't even be able to have a meal with my wife. I wouldn't be able to stop and have a coffee break with my wife. It would just be pray, pray, pray. Why? Because that's what's being presented. And then, and then I've got to pray for kings and leaders and those in authority. And I, and all and all that goes with that. <laughs> Woo. What do you do? You pray in the spirit. Can I, can I show you how I pray for you? And when I say you, I'm talking to the viewing audience, which is a lot of people. I'll show you how I do it. Father, I bring my partners. I bring my online church members before you. Oh, God, you know every need that they have. And I begin to pray for you in the spirit. And when I pray for you in the spirit, I'm covering all of you. Because God knows the need of every single one of you. And those things I don't know. Woo, praise the Lord. Now, there are times that the Spirit will even lead me individually over certain names and over certain people that are connected to the ministry. And I'll bring them before the Lord. But oftentimes, because it's so wide and it's so deep, the need and the, the numbers that I have to just pray in the Spirit until there is a release. And when there is that release, then I can move on. Woo, praise God. Hallelujah. And that's what you do. You navigate by the Holy Spirit. For instance, if you're praying for the president and you've prayed two or three minutes, but you feel, praise the Lord, that's good. You know, you, you just move on. Hallelujah. Why? There's a lot of ground to cover. And never, never should you have like these repetitive prayer times where just all the same, like robotic, like a robocall. No, with the Holy Spirit, it comes out different every single time. It will come out different every single time. Why? The needs are different every day. And God knows what those needs are of your family, uh, of, of, of your job, of your, the demands upon your life, and as well as all of the other things that we've talked about, praying for Jerusalem and all of these other things. Just get over into the Spirit, and you'll start, you'll start covering it by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, yes, there can still be special things that you target because it's so heavy on your heart. You target it specifically and you call it out. Uh, but look, even if you call it out in English, you still oftentimes you'll begin to get right back over into tongues on it. Woo. Why? Because the Holy Spirit really knows how, to, how you're supposed to pray for that. And he'll lead you and he'll guide you. Now, he won't do your praying for you, but he'll pull you through. And that's exactly what you need. And that is how you have effective prayer. And the best thing of all is that when you finish this prayer, this type of praying, well, well, yes, it can. I don't know if I should use the word demanding. I'm trying to be very careful with what I described to you because I want, I want you to tie into this, this true anointing that works so well of prayer. I would say I, I think demanding is a good word. There have been times when I've finished prayer and I've burned, I've burned calories to the point I'm hungry. <laughs> yes, I get through praying. I, I, sometimes I'm just like, whew, Lord, I really got caught up in that one. I hope Kelly's got something ready for me to eat when I come home because, wow, I, I expended some energy and I, I need some food. Praise God. Yes, there is that element. Just like swimming. If you swim, 
Something about swimming, maybe it's because you use so many muscles at the same time. You go swim for 30 minutes, and you're just like, wow, I feel like I could eat, you know, like two pounds of pasta. And maybe you could. But, uh, you know, there's other times that it's, it's a little bit different. But let me just say this. Whether you feel that expenditure or, or not, this will always be there. Refreshing. It's a spiritual refreshing. That even though physically... Oh, yes, you poured your heart into that. You walk out of that, and there's, there's is a strength. There's actually a strength that goes, excuse me, <clears throat> a strength, a spiritual strength that comes into you from God himself that somehow, somehow touches your physical body. And this is something that's better, better, maybe as the old timers say, better felt than telt. In other words, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. The moment you step into it, praise the Lord. But this is what the Lord has for you. Here's a good example. John chapter 16. John 16. And let's, let's go to verse 12. Praise the Lord. Well, that's the wrong gospel. That's the gospel of Luke, which is great. But let me get over here to John. There we go. John 16, verse 12. Jesus said, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. He goes right on to talk about the Holy Spirit. And when they have the Holy Spirit, at that point, more revelation is going to flow. And my friends, the more you yield to the Holy Spirit, the more of the word that will begin to become unveiled to you and your understanding in your spirit will just begin to explode on new levels. And sometimes when I'm around some believers, I kind of have to pull back on the reins in the way that I talk or describe things. For example, I heard a minister sometime back say, there's no animals in heaven. And, you know, I thought I'm not even going to go there. No, no need to even like bring that up or try to get into a discussion with that person. Why? They don't believe in the baptism in the Holy Spirit. They don't believe in miracles. Uh, they don't believe in speaking in tongues. And so without the Holy Spirit and that flow of revelation or anointing, which unveils the word, you can't even go there with them. They, they, they think it's crazy. I mean, you could, you could read to them verses like this one. Here's one that's really good. You could read to a person like that straight from the Bible, Revelation 19, verse 11. Now I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. Okay, there's, there's a horse in heaven. How about this one, verse 14? And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on White horses. Uh, I, and you could go on and on and on. But you know what? They can't see it. Not, not physically. I'm not talking about physically. And I'm not talking about intellectually. But in their spirit, they just can't. For some reason, there's some things that are blocked. And it's like a wall. And no matter how many scriptures you give. And they, I mean, they're certainly not going to accept your, your vision or your heavenly vision. Or, you know, something like that. They just don't get it. They just don't get it. So, and, and things like that, I don't even try to explain it. And that's also why when I go certain places, I go where I'm invited, where I can flow. 
I like to go where I can be celebrated, not, not, not tolerate it, because if you're just putting up with me for some reason to have me here, you know, for who knows why, but I can't really share with you the things I know that I can't really help you in the way that God has anointed me to help you. But I, I go places where they're like, hey, we, we want that over here. Come over here. Praise the Lord. That's why I go. Hallelujah. Because they're celebrating that anointing. And then that's when they're pulling on that anointing and it flows and you can, you can bless people. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. All right. Now let's continue on. However, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you in the all truth. Woo. Look, I don't want to be one of those preachers that when, you know, I get to heaven, I feel really silly about the things I said while I was on earth. I don't want to do that. I don't want to get to heaven and go, oh, no, that I was wrong and that was right. Oh, no, I can't believe I didn't see that. Okay, I, I don't want to be in that category. But there will be many who do find themselves in that category because they would not yield to the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm big on education. I'm big on higher education. And, and the Lord is too. But be very, very careful that your mind does not hijack your spirit. Because if your mind hijacks your spirit, it will set a ceiling that may be high, but it's nowhere of where your spirit is. No, it's nothing compared to where your spirit can go. Okay. So you need to let your spirit be dominant. And yes, we don't need to be a bunch of dummies. We can't read, can't write, can't multiply, can't do these other things that God intends for us to do. Okay. You need to educate your mind, but you're created in the image of God primarily through the new birth experience, which, which is the born again experience, the regeneration of your spirit. Hallelujah. And there's places you can go with God in the spirit. You, you can't figure it. You can't even figure out these things intellectually. And I'm talking about visions, gifts of the spirit, miracles. That's all a category that your brain just stops and your mind stops and says, I, I can't go there. And you know, it can't, it can't. So develop it, but realize you really want to yield to the Holy Spirit because he'll take you into greater dimensions of grace and blessing. Now, Jesus said he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me for he will talk of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it. He's going to get it over to you. Praise God. So the Holy Spirit, while you're praying in tongues, while you're praying in the spirit, he will get over to you because he's heard from Jesus. He knows the mind of God. He will convey to you. And remember, the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you. He will convey to you the focus, the direction of your prayer life and it's different every single day and you need to be open and reliant upon the Holy Spirit to guide you in your prayer time well Pastor Stephen I thought that was just my imagination well the Holy Spirit works with your mind he works with your imagination but because he's in you it comes up out of your belly it comes up out of your spirit your inner man and your brain your mind picks it up mm -hmm. but the more yielded you are to the Holy Spirit, the more accurate you can become in this area 
of just knowing, knowing. I, I know about online church members, and I, even if I haven't met you because I'm praying for you and you're connected to this ministry, I know. I, I know things, and I know things about my, my partners, and I, I, I know things. I just know things. I walked in to the administrative office the other day. There was a letter laying there on the desk, sealed. Kelly said, what do you suppose is in that letter? And I knew exactly what was in the letter before I even opened it. Well, Pastor Steve, how do you know that? There's just a knowing that comes by the Holy Spirit and by praying a lot in the Holy Spirit. Kelly later opened the letter, read it, and it was exactly what I knew it to be. And the same thing happens with her a lot. You just pick, you begin to pick things up. You begin to pick things up on knowing, a supernatural knowing in the spirit. And that's also so often how I get the messages that I preach, I share. I just pray. And it's just like a cook. I feel like cooking this today. I believe I'm going to serve those that are going to eat. I believe I'm going to serve them this meal today. And so we get so many emails, Pastor Stephen, that message was just for me. You preached it just for me. How, how did you know? How did you know? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, he forms it and he brings it up. And although it would appear that there's so much to pray about from kings to authority and police and distant lands and the distant city of Jerusalem. Somehow when you're led by the spirit and you're praying in the spirit, you'll get it all done. You'll just cover it all. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And that's what it means to pray without ceasing. You just pray in the spirit. Look, you can do that anytime also, not just in your devotional time, which is more rich and the Lord, he really wants your attention. Okay. Uh, that's what your devotional time is. That's what builds you up. That's where the real blessing is at. But you can pray in the spirit anywhere while you're driving on a long trip mm -mm, or such other opportunities. And you can take advantage of that. Now, while prayer does demand focus and attention because your flesh will contest your spirit your flesh will say, oh, what a beautiful day. We don't need to be here in, in, in here praying. We need vitamin K. We need to get, out, get sunshine. I mean, your flesh, your, the soulish fleshly nature will throw the most, it'll, it'll just throw stuff at your mind. Like, go do this, go do that. Oh, it's too early to pray. You're going to be tired today. You need to stay in bed longer. But you know what? Your spirit can get so strong, it begins to override all of that. And that's the place you want, you want to be where your spirit is dominant. But I'll tell you, until you get into that place, your, your mind can give you the most uh, uh, incredible excuses of why you shouldn't pray. But if you keep pressing through that, you will begin to rise above that, and that will get squelched. It will get squashed, and it won't bug you anymore. Pastor Stephen, it bugs me all the time. Well, just stay there. Stay there praying, and the flesh will fizzle out. And that's when the good praying, really, that's really even when the good stuff starts coming. Mm. So keep on pressing in. Keep on pressing in. And when you pray in the Spirit and you go for an hour real strong, praise the Lord, you'll find out that you're actually refreshed. Well, Pastor Stephen, I got up at 3.30 in the morning. How in the world can I be refreshed after praying at a time like that? We'll just give it a shot. And you'll see that there is a refreshing. There are certain people going through the changes of life. Your body gets older. And maybe you don't 
have the same sleep rhythm that you had when you were young as when you're 20 years old, your head hits the pillow. And you're there. I mean, you don't know nothing until you wake up at 7 o'clock the next morning. But that's not, that's not the way it is anymore for you. And you're thinking, well, uh, Pastor Stephen, what should I do? Well, if you can't sleep, well, uh, yes, Pastor Stephen, if I can't, it's 1 o'clock in the morning. Well, just go ahead and get out of bed. If you're up, might as well pray. Well, I'm so drowsy and so, uh, you know, I'm out of it. Well, yeah, but if you can't sleep, just get up anyhow and go, go sit you know, in the, in the couch or in the chair over there and just pray or go into another room and just pray, see what happens. And if you get that flow going and you pray, then you'll go back and you know what sweet sleep is. Why? There's a refreshing. There is a refreshing that takes place and God wants you to experience it on a daily basis. Let me show it to you. First Corinthians chapter 14, verse four, the apostle Paul said, he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. Now the word edify in the Greek means to build up, to strengthen and to make strong. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. Prophecy will build up the church. It'll be a blessing to the church. And that's why we should all desire to prophesy. But my friends, in order to minister to others, you yourself, First, need to allow the Lord to minister to you so that you are strong and technically and ideally and even biblically, God really, he wants you to minister out of the overflow, mm, not when you're running on empty. He wants you to be spending time with him so that there is an overflow that, <clears throat> excuse me, that you can minister out of. He who speaks in the tongue edifies himself. So when you're praying, in English, and then moving over into tongues, or praying in your native language, whatever it is, moving over it in the tongues, and sometimes, maybe 80% tongues, just need to let you know, that's normal for those that are really serious in the prayer. Sometimes, 90% tongues, that's, that's not abnormal. That's very, very normal. Well, Pastor Stephen, I, I don't know if I'm doing this right. Seems like I just get over in tongues. I just, I do about almost all of it in tongues. Don't, don't let that... Uh, upset you. I need to let you know that that is a very standard way of praying for millions of believers around the world. Woo! And it is very, very effective and it will edify you. And that's why, although you may think I, f I should feel like wiped out, you're not. You're refreshed. You're refreshed. Praise God. Now, let's look at another classic verse in the book of Jude, which is right before the last book in the Bible, the book of Revelation. Jude, it only has one chapter, verse 20, it says, but you, beloved, and that's what God's word would be to you, but you, beloved, building yourselves up. How? On your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. There it is right there. Praying in the Holy Spirit. Now, this can mean praying in English, if your English is your main language that you speak, but you're praying in the spirit. Have you ever seen people pray in their native language, English, and they're, they're not praying in the spirit. They're praying out of their head. And it makes you just want to say, hey, would you stop it? We're not getting anything accomplished here. This is just all, this is just all dead and dry. It's, we, we might as well like go play video games or something. Uh, th this is not doing anything. This is, there's no anointing on any of this, okay? So uh, this is very, very important. 
Let me give you an example of just praying these, these dead prayers that, you know, we might as well just twiddle our thumbs and, you know, count sheep or something like that. I, because I used to travel so much in the ministry, and I still do, but not as much as I used to. Our travels now are mainly international, but we used to just travel all over the country. We had a motor home, and Kelly and I, we were gone sometimes literally three or four months in a row, just gone, just, you know, just travel and just go, and we wouldn't be back for sometimes three or four months, and we did that for years, just driving, traveling all over the place, preaching in churches all over America, and sometimes we would stay in hotels. The pastors would put us in a hotel. Other times, the pastor, if he had a large house or maybe had some type of accommodation, he would say, please stay with me. And um, I remember we stayed at the home of one pastor, and um, this was a pastor. He was a good man, but didn't really have a prayer life. And uh, he had to, you know, before every meal, he had to act real religious. He had to, he had to demonstrate to me, for whatever reason, that he was spiritual. And he would pray these long prayers with the food sitting there on the table. So the wife would serve the food, and the food is all there. The main entree, the hot green beans, everything's hot. Green beans are hot. The entree is hot, meatloaf or whatever it was. The mashed potatoes are hot. The iced tea is cold. It's got all the ice cubes in it. And the meal looks wonderful. And he would sit down and we would sit down at the big table. And, you know, I, and I, I'm going to yield to him. It's his house. He's invited me to speak at his church. So, it, you know, it's, it's do whatever he wants to do. He would, he would pray the prayer. And he would start off, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this food. And the food's smoking hot. The rolls are hot. The, you know, that's just a time to put the butter on the roll. And, um, you know, so, yeah, you want you want to pray the prayer, but I mean, we're here to eat, right? So let's bless the food. Let's let's do what we're supposed to do with it. Let's eat it. But he would go on and on. Oh, God, bless the missionaries in South Africa. Lord, bless the missionaries in South America. Lord, bless, bless the church over here. Lord, bless this and bless, and bless that. And before you know it, he, he's literally praying all around the world. And, uh, and you're thinking, uh, you know, the food's not going to be, eventually the food is not even warm. The food is now gone cold. And, you know, 30 minutes later or 20 minutes later, after he has demonstrated his spirituality, in the name of Jesus, we pray, amen. And, you know, we say amen. And then the food is served and now the food's all cold. What is that? That's not praying in the spirit. That's just some kind of religious exercise. And that's why a lot of people just like, they're like, hey, I don't, if that's what it is, I don't even want to pray. And I don't blame you because I've seen that. Sometimes it's been demonstrated to people and they think that's what praying is. And that, that's not what it is. Praying in English is like, Lord, I'm here today and I'm lifting this up before you and I'm praying. And you start praying and you're praying in the spirit, though. Okay. And then oftentimes you begin to move over into the spirit. Why? The Holy Spirit's leading. The Holy Spirit's leading. But there's there's fervency to it and there's heat to it. Yes, even if it's not like maybe what we would call heavy petition, but it's just even more relationship wise, there's still a flow. There's an anointing to it. And when you do that, you are building yourself up on your most holy faith. How? 
praying in the Holy Spirit. And when you come out of that, whether it's 30 minutes, whether it's an hour, whether it's an hour and 30 minutes, or whether you just went for it all night because you had the next day off and you thought, I can sleep in a little bit. I'll just go all night and I'll pray to four or five in the morning until the sun comes up. You know, whatever it is, you may, you may finish that thing and you may feel, yes, the touch of natural fatigue because we are in a physical body, but you will be refreshed. You will be refreshed. And I'm here to tell you that this is something that a masseuse can't do. Oh, yes, there is a place for them to get the knots out, massage the knots out, get the kinks out and stuff like that. But you know what? I don't need that because I've got prayer. Hallelujah. And I've got the Holy Spirit. And by the time I'm done, I'm so refreshed. I'm so loosey goosey. Woo. Hallelujah. I feel good. I feel good. Hallelujah. And that's what God will do to you. It is the refreshing of the Holy Spirit. And when you give God your best and you really pray and you empty the tank and you pour out your heart, woo, God will give you his best and you'll leave refreshed. And it's rather perplexing to the mind of how that actually all works out. But it is quite refreshing. Praise the Lord. And my friends, that is the blessing of prayer. This is the prayer that refreshes. So I want you to pray, to pray. I, I want you to be a person that says, yes, I realize I've, these are certain target areas. Uh, you know, we, we're, we're familiar with First Timothy chapter 2 and those various subject areas that we're supposed to hit. But look, there's all the epistles of the, uh, that, that Paul lined out, the, the various five prayers mentioned in, you know, Colossians 1 and Ephesians 1, Ephesians 3 and uh, you know, Philippians 1 and on and on it goes. And then there's the Lord's Prayer. And you know, that, that's a model prayer that when prayed through really stretches to an hour. And how are you supposed to cover all of this? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Well, Stop and think about all the names of God, all the compound names of Jehovah God, Jehovah uh, Nissi and Jehovah Shalom, and, uh, and you begin to worship the names of God. And, you know, how, how are you supposed to sort all of this out? Let the Holy Spirit help you. Let the Holy Spirit help you. Mm -mm. And you'll navigate through all of it, through all of it, kings and cities and peoples and nations and this and that. And you'll just get it all done. Every single time in your prayer time. You get it all done, and it feels really, really good. Now, there can be special things that are big on your heart. And there are those moments you take all of your prayer cannons, and you point it at that thing. And you may say, Lord, I've covered the basics. I prayed for you know, King Henry or uh, King Louis Sixteenth or I, I, you know, whoever your king is. Or your, Lord, I prayed all of that. I've got it covered. Now, Lord. For this next hour, this thing is big on my heart, and the Holy Spirit is really in me rising up. I'm going to give everything I can for the next hour, as fast and hard as I can, for the next hour on this assignment. Hallelujah. Maybe it's a child who's backslidden from God, and you refuse to let them just drift off and let hell have them. And you say, oh, no, it's not going to be like that for them. They're coming back. Whether they like it or not, they're coming back. Because I'm a champion of prayer. And you just go all out. And you turn all of your focus on that target. Mm, whatever that thing is. You pour your heart into it. And you know what? When you do that and you really pray in the spirit, you finish. You finish. And look, I'm, just I'm here to tell you today that you don't need all this psychosis. You don't need all this drugs to calm you down. You don't need all this stuff. People just need to pray. Hallelujah. And if people prayed... 
whoo, they could, they could probably empty out their medicine cabinets the next day. I, I'm not saying that maybe for most of them that could, that's something that could happen overnight. But as you merge into this, you'll be so refreshed that God begins to regulate your body. So many of these other things, just be, they start falling off, and you realize, I don't need them. Mm-mm. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise the Lord. But it's very refreshing, and it, it awaits you. Praise the Lord. So just condense it all down. Get over into the Spirit, and you'll get it covered every single time. The Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you. He will show you what it is that you're supposed to pray for. Now, Heavenly Father, I pray for those that are watching that they, in their prayer life, can yield to and discern that guidance and leading of the Holy Spirit. And I thank you, Father God, for rich, vibrant, and effective prayer times every time in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Now, if you're watching today's message and you are not filled with the Holy Spirit, and you think, well, that's really cool, Pastor Stephen. I, I don't speak in tongues. I mean, how, how am I supposed to move into this other dimension? Well, I would just say, first of all, keep listening because I'm going to keep teaching it to you. And so often we talk about our reliance upon the Holy Spirit and our need to be led by Him, to be guided by Him, and to be empowered by Him. Okay? So if you'll just yield and receive. And keep hanging out with the Lord. Keep pursuing the Lord. It'll just happen. It'll just happen. And we've had many testimonies of people that were just praying the best they could. And it just starts coming out. That new language. The prayer language of tongues. However it sounds for you when it comes out. Okay. It just starts flowing out. Flowing out. Why? They're open to it. They want it. And God gives it to them. Praise the Lord. So just keep pursuing and it will happen. And it can happen right in your own bedroom. Wherever your prayer closet is, wherever your devotional place is, it doesn't have to happen in a public meeting where I lay hands on you or something like that. You can get it right where you're at, okay? So allow God to minister to you and be open to it, and it'll just start coming out. Woo! Praise the Lord. Mm-mm. Thank you, Jesus. If you're watching today's program and you're not in any of these categories, you, you don't pray and you don't know the Lord and you're, you're certainly not filled with the Holy Spirit and you're outside of God. But you want, you want in because you realize that Jesus is what you're looking for. Then pray this prayer after me right now. Pray it out loud and God's going to hear you. He's going to answer right now. Say, Lord Jesus. I come before you as a sinner. Lord Jesus, I know you died for my sins, and I want what you have made available for me. So, Lord Jesus, I give my life to you. Jesus, wash all of my sins away and give me your newness of life. Make me new on the inside. Thank you, Jesus. Write my name in your book of life. I give my heart to you now, and I'll serve you all the days of my life. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for saving me now. In your name I pray. Amen. And the Lord has heard that prayer, and he has washed your sins away, and he has saved you, and you belong to him now. So serve him with all of your heart. Now, let's take Holy Communion together today. Please grab some unleavened bread. Grab some grape juice, and let's pray over it. Mm-mm. Woo! Hallelujah. Mm. I would say that prayer done in the Spirit 
actually is miraculous, would even override laws of physics. Because in physics, if there is exertion or there's energy, something is being consumed. In other words, if the engine is producing power, or something's fueling the engine, which would be gasoline or diesel, therefore there would be consumption or loss of that fuel. Well, why is it when you look in your tank after prayer time, it's filled back up? It's filled back up. Why is that? Because it's God. It's God. Woo! Strengthening you. And that's why you begin to move into this. You'll find out that you're refreshed and you're filled up with God. Mm, thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Heavenly Father, thank you for the body and the blood of Jesus. We consecrate this bread, this juice now as being the body and the blood. Thank you, O God. Many mysteries, O God, in your kingdom, many mysteries, many things that, in a sense, we may never fully understand, at least while we're on this side of the veil. But, O God, we can still, we can still step into them because we believe them and we receive them. Show us more. Show us more. Thank you, O God. We thank you that the spirit walk is the gateway to understanding greater revelations of your word. Thank you, O God. We give you praise and glory. Father, thank you for the flesh of the Lord Jesus Christ. As we receive his flesh, we hold to the promises that are available to us in the word. And we thank you for refreshment, refreshment, refreshment. That it's so close that we don't have to have a two-week vacation, although that's nice. We can just go spend time with you. And experience it right there. Thank you, O God. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's receive the body of Jesus. Many of the saints, particularly those that lived between the 5th century up until the 10th century, many of them, as they, as Christianity spread from Jerusalem, of course, from the first century, began to spread out throughout the Middle East. And then apostles and missionaries began to go. And of course, apostles, apostles are missionaries, or we should say a missionary is actually technically an apostle. As they begin to go into places of Europe and so forth. Later, many of the monks, they began to settle on remote islands that would be off the coast of, you know, major land areas where they could go in and then begin to do evangel evangelism. But their rule of thumb was that within their own heart, the private life, your secret walk with the Lord is your own inner island. And when you are filled up and have spent time and you are refreshed by the Lord on your own island, then is when you go out and minister to others. And when they were on the literal physical islands and they had come out of seasons of prayer or fasting and they had studied the word and they had assignments from the Lord, then they would go on to the mainland. They'd take the little ships, go on to the mainland, and then go out and begin to convert the heathen to Christ. Praise God. My friends, inside of all of you is your own inner island. Make sure 
that you take time to cultivate your own walk with the Lord. Hallelujah. Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus that washes away all of our sins. We thank you for what one of the greatest promises in your word where you actually said our sins and iniquities you not only forgive but you remember them no more. Heavenly Father, every believer, every one of us, we claim that in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, not only for our sins forgiven, all of them forgiven, but you don't remember them. And we give you praise for that. That, as the prophet of old said, you took them and you threw them into the depths of the sea. Well, they'll never be found. And we thank you, Lord, they never will be found, and you don't remember them. So we give you praise for a clean conscience for a life that's right with you. Thank you, Father, for the blood of Jesus and all of its cleansing and forgiving power. We receive it now in his name. Amen. Let's partake together. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. More effective prayer. Moving with the Spirit. Moving with the Spirit. Praying in the Spirit, covering many things at once. That is the ability of God leading you and guiding you in prayer is that you can just like cover. You can cover that whole thing by praying in the Spirit. Woo! Praise God. Hallelujah. This will be a new adventure for many of you. And as you step into it more fully, also that Spirit of knowing, just know things. Not everything. You don't need to know everything. That's, you know, some things who cares about, right? But things that you need to know about, they'll start coming up. Woo! And you just know, you know all kinds of stuff pertaining to your life and pertaining to what the Lord is up to in the church. Mm-mm. Things that he wants the global body to be aware of. You'll, you'll, you'll know it. Absolutely. So, Father, we give you praise. I speak blessing over your people today. We thank you for this beautiful guidance of your Holy Spirit in our prayer lives. We thank you, O God. We thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus, for taking us places we could never go on our own. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. That's his assignment, to lead us into this fullness of very effective prayer, because he knows everything. Father, we give you praise. We give you praise that he's going to unveil to us the areas he'll convey to us the areas we are to pray for. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Woo! Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You know, right before we had the last national election, November of 2016, going into that, you know, October especially, then leading into the early days of November. Um, I was in Washington, D.C. in November with Kelly. And it was very fascinating because we ran into some other people that had really prayed also for God's will to be done for this election. And it was amazing how many of us were on the same track. Total strangers had not met. I met one lady while I was there in Washington, D.C., and uh, she was on day 30 of a fast. It was actually her last day. I said, now, what were you getting? 
what were you getting? She said, I really could just get one thing. She said, I just kept crying out over and over again by the Holy Spirit. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Because if this goes a wrong direction, the, 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 the pillars, the, the, the pillars of Christianity and the, the pillars of biblical principles and morality will be so eroded away that it's going to be very, very difficult for the church. So that was something everybody was picking up that was really over into prayer. Why? The Holy Spirit is showing that to them. Just cry out to God for mercy. And that's what I was doing. That's about all that would come out of me. God have mercy. Lord, if this goes the wrong way, it's not going to be good for the church. And if it's not good for the church, it's not good for the nation. It's not good for the world. So, Lord, really, Lord, give mercy, give mercy. And he did. And he did. Praise God. Praise the Lord. But the Holy Spirit, he knows exactly where we're supposed to be going and what the focus should be. So trust him. He'll always lead you 100% in the will of God in your prayer life. Thanks for watching. Have a great prayer life, a great prayer time, and I'll see you back next time. Bye-bye.